The following movie is rated NC-17 and includes sexual assault, child endangerment, drug abuse, and nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rank, senior film columnist here at The Daily Texan. I'm joined by my co-hostess. This is Sage. Um, we have big news today. We have our first guests ever. Oh, wait, that's such a lie. <laughs> <laughs> this is not our first guest ever. But we do have, we do have two guests. If, if y'all would like to introduce yourselves. Yeah, um, I'm Rhea. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the LARTS editor. And I'm Aaron. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a senior life and arts reporter. We also have Harry. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a very special episode of the podcast uh, because we have guests, right? But also it's 2.10 in the morning. So uh, yeah. take that as you will when you listen to this. Um, but today we're discussing a movie that has come out in theaters, but doesn't actually quite come out until the 28th on Netflix, I believe mm -hmm. is the date, um, called Blonde. Blonde is based off of a book written by an author who wanted to tell a fictionalized version of the life of Marilyn Monroe, um, which we'll get into later in the spoilers of our thoughts on that. But that's basically what this entire movie covers. Um, what did y'all think of it in a spoiler three capacity? Like as a whole. Hmm. I guess I'll start. Um, I thought beautiful cinematography Great performance from Ana de Armas. The rest, questionable. Um, we can get more into it later, but I was not the biggest fan of how this plot was executed, if y'all want to talk more about that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, I mean, visually it was stunning. Like some of these like shots were just literally took my breath away. They were so beautiful. Um, but just like, and without spoilers, but like the concept of like making this story about Marilyn Monroe, but like a fictionalized version just did not sit right with me. And I think that there were definitely like some holes in the plot and like, weird pacing um so it kind of like i wasn't the biggest fan of it but mm -hmm. that was just my take yeah i think i agree with all of that and i feel like like when you're trying to make a film about a book that fictionalizes someone's real life it's gonna cause problems and it's gonna show in the movie and i feel like that's was what happened mm -hmm. yeah i think another factor is it takes the whole nc-17 rating and takes it a bit too far, especially with this specific story. Because mm -hmm. um, most biopics, which is what this is advertising itself as, despite it not really being a biopic, we'll get into that later. But um, most biopics are rated R and still talk about the heavy themes of like artists involved, mostly musicians, since that's what mm -hmm. a lot of biopics are. Um, but this one just seemed to take it to an extreme that uh, not only is uncomfortable for audiences, but is ethically an issue uh in terms of the person it's based off of yeah because it, it like they're doing it about someone who's been has such a long history of being exploited by hollywood and so it just makes it even more like eh, what is happening when it's they're perpetuating it which we can talk yeah. about later but yeah and i think another big part of that is that i think that that's something that's so often discussed alongside like the story of Marilyn Monroe is that's always just something that I think people talk about is how she was exploited by Hollywood and like sexually exploited but I feel like that's not something that, that a lot of people especially people of like our generation know a lot about like know the details mm -hmm. that we kind of just know her as like you know a sex symbol and we know her for like the JFK stuff but I feel like not a lot of people know about like the exploitation that she faced um, in detail. And so I do think that like this movie, it was tricky because that's kind of what this movie talked about. But then at the same time, it was like a lot of it was fictionalized. And so then it kind of puts this like role on or this responsibility on the viewer to kind of look into what parts of this are real what parts of this are fake what parts of this are kind of like shedding light on the troubles that she faced what part of, what parts of this are dramatized which is not to say that a movie can't do that well but I do think that that's like something that not a lot of viewers will do mm -hmm. um and so that kind of makes this tricky when you know it kind of blurs the lines between reality and not in fiction yeah 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, and I think it's also a bit more tricky because, like, obviously, you know, she's passed, so she doesn't really have much input. And a lot of it, like, I'm trying not to say spoilers, but, like, a lot of it is tackling, like, her abuse and exploitation. And it just feels like, it just feels a little inappropriate um, to just, like, tackle these themes in such, like, a, it feels like they're tackling it, like, and they're doing it just to tell a story rather than to tell her story. And I definitely think there are places that and like the story of exploitation in Hollywood is an important story that needs to be told but it feels like her name is just kind of thrown in there to make it appeal to more people and to kind of like go with this kind of craze of like biopics Mm -hmm. that's been kind of like resurfacing pop culture within the past few years and so I just I did I just didn't think it felt right yeah Yeah. I think oh go ahead no, no, go ahead. Okay. I definitely do agree with that. Like, I think that a lot of, like, the fictionalized aspects or the surrealist aspects of this movie did kind of feel half-baked. Like, a lot, like, when I was thinking of this movie, I often kind of thought about Pablo Lorraine's um, Spencer, which was a movie that I loved and I think did really well. And it followed, like, Princess Diana on this weekend with the royal family, um, where it does kind of show her, like, how, like, the media and how being involved with the royal family and how everything is, like, affecting her over the course of just, like, a weekend and it kind of does show her like kind of descending into like a state of insanity and it definitely includes like a lot of like surrealist elements as this movie did but I think in that movie they just felt a lot more intentional a lot more like fully formed whereas in this one it was kind of unclear which elements were being dramatized um and I don't think that that was necessarily like super effectively communicated Mm -hmm. I think to summarize up spoiler free before we can deep uh, dive deeper into the details is it's it's a movie of trying to tell a story of how hollywood itself is an exploitative mm-hmm. uh area of just art and media and the world throughout history um but along the way of trying to tell that story it ended up exploiting a person who actually dealt with that exploitation mm-hmm. um which is tragic because like it it ultimately is a story uh, just the general concept of like exploitation in Hollywood is a ge- is a story that should be discussed and shown um, because people don't acknowledge it enough. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna jump into spoilers. So okay. if you're interested in the movie, go check it out on Netflix or check it out in theaters. Um, be warned, it's rated NC-17. There is a lot of graphic material in there, a lot of triggering content, as uh, the opener says. Um, so just understand that what you're getting into is not gonna be like an entertainment movie like movies like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or um, Elton John's Rocket Man, I would say okay. just be wary of any advertising you see of this movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, now we jump into the spoiler section, uh, which we're not really, we're going to jump around because I think there's a lot to discuss with this movie. Yeah. And I think that that like leads me to my first issue with this movie um, <laughs> <laughs> is there is just, and I think a movie can do so like, I mean, look at Everything Everywhere All at Once, for example. A movie that has so many different plot points and different loose ends and ties them together so beautifully. I don't think that this movie accomplished that. And it's a long, like, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a long movie. It's like two hours and 30 minutes, I think. I might need to look that up to confirm. Mm-hmm. But this movie's two hours, 47, and it feels significantly It longer. feels... It's about like six yeah. hours to watch. Yeah, just for like, just for some context listeners, we just finished watching it. Yeah. And it, it felt like we had, we were watching like a season of a show. And I, I think that that it could have been that to be completely honest with you because it felt so long. It starts out with like her childhood and then it kind of just jumps right into like her in the limelight and her like entering Hollywood and the exploitation she faced. And then like from there it kind of jumps to like her various like relationships. And then it kind of ends with, you know, her drug substance abuse problems and then her death. Um, But it does so in a way that feels very like haphazard and very like, just I, I like it's beautifully shot but at the same time it does I think sometimes feel sloppy and it feels like rushed despite being like almost three hours and two yes. hours. It, feels, it feels like a montage I yes yes I agree like um in like the beginning of Black Widow it's not to relate it to that movie <laughs> but like in the beginning of Black Widow they kind of like glaze through every bit of her childhood mm. and that is exactly what that reminded me of but like for three hours <laughs> in, well even in the childhood part like it was just so weird because it just all of that felt super artsy and i feel like there was no plot to that it was just like subtle references and like artsy images mm-hmm. that you were supposed to like connect but there was no plot underneath driving it forward mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you were like with her and her like 
like stardom. And so I felt like I was getting whiplash mm-hmm. from everywhere that this film was taking me. I was like, okay. And, and maybe it was because they like assume the viewers know the plot of her life when like most people, or I guess not most people, but a lot of people may not. And like, mm-hmm. that's the point of a biopic to show the plot of the prominent person's life. And like, I feel like this movie didn't do that because it's not a biopic. And so it just like failed to like tell her story. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in terms of flow, like you were saying, like mm-hmm. these scenes are structured well. Like it is a well written script in terms of how each scene should flow. But it's like you were saying, the content of said scenes, despite how well crafted they are in terms of dialogue and connectivity, mm-hmm. give you whiplash. And then transition wise, that was where each scene felt miserable because mm-hmm. it did yeah. feel like you were going from her childhood, which should be an important part of this person's life. And like it should be the launch point in terms of this person's future, mm-hmm. right? And then next thing you know, she's in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't talk about how she gets there. It doesn't even talk about how she's given the iconic name. I think it's briefly mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a little scene, but otherwise it's not even described why they gave her yeah, that name. And, and they don't even show her like making the choice to like go by Marilyn Monroe. Because mm-hmm. even like even in movies like Rocket Man or like Bohemian Rhapsody, like they show the concrete like this is when I decided to take on this other person or like this is when I chose to be like this presence. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a very like concrete part. And I, I really wanted to see that. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if she chose the name or not, but either way, they didn't show that, yeah. you know, um, which if it is something where like the company chose her name, because the first company she went to work for, I believe was Fox, like early Fox. Um, I would have to look that up to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure it was Fox in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't show, even if she's not the one who claimed that name, they don't show that company giving her that name. And like, again, not dipping into that, actually showing the exploitation in a way that would be more appropriate. And I will say like, I don't think that that necessarily would have been an issue if they had focused the time frame a little more that they were exploring. Mm-hmm. I think that that could have helped a lot if like they'd kind of just started the movie when like she was already famous. I don't think that that would have been an issue, but it was the fact that like they tried to make it like this very like covering her whole lifespan story. Um, and so it just felt like there were those like very like instrumental parts that I think audiences were expecting to see that were just missing and then it just felt like it was missing mm-hmm. um you know because like of course like it started from her childhood um and then you know jumps right into like when she's already famous and so it that time jump i don't think felt very smooth mm-hmm. and if they wanted to do it about her childhood like they started with her with her mom and like the abusive relationship with that and then they cut to her adult life and then she goes back to the hospital or mental institution that her mom was staying at and then that's the last we see of her mom so it's like very like russian like you don't have a conclusion or like closure to that relationship which is a very like instrumental relationship in anyone's life but especially yeah. marilyn monroe's right because even if that relationship um because I, I mean i don't know the history behind her relationship mm-hmm. with her family but even if that relationship ended badly. They didn't showcase its end, Um, which maybe is a style choice, but I don't think it's an appropriate style choice Mm -hmm. for the story they're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. Especially since they like kind of reference it and how it affects her like on multiple occasions, like with the drawer and her like constantly going back to that, especially like at the beginning of the movie when she's like, oh, we used to sleep in this drawer together whenever we like didn't have much money. And so like you're seeing like subtle callbacks to that, but you're not, like, we didn't get m- enough information throughout the movie for that to, like, I feel like make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have, like, the recipe there, but you can't yeah. connect with what they're trying to get you to connect with. Yeah, exactly. That was another big issue I had with the movie is I just felt like I walked away from this movie not learning on a lot about her and not even necessarily learning a lot about Marilyn Monroe, but just learning a lot about this character. Like, I feel like this movie gave a lot of, like, you know her story her reactions to things but i feel like it didn't necessarily successfully like form this character um i don't i feel like i didn't learn a lot about like her like inner motivations her inner feelings about things it was kind of just like showing you the things she was going through without ever like fully developing like 
a good understanding of like who this is as a person Mm -hmm. i thought it was almost like this indecisive walk between are we telling the story of this main character are we telling the story of the people that affect this main character Mm -hmm. and i think um it flip-flops throughout the scenes and then some scenes it flips mid-scene like the scene at one point where she gets mad on set and is like do you not realize that uh, i'm not stupid and um like kind of acknowledges that she's being used in a certain way for whatever project she was on at that point uh midway through that scene it shifts towards then to the reactions of the people filming that project rather than following her and her moment of distress which i feel Mm -hmm. um is a good example of that like they don't drive to make you really feel for this character Mm -hmm. rather the people Mm -hmm. around her you feel like you hate them more than you get to feel the empathy that's a good way to put it yes exactly so advertising for this movie, if you haven't seen the poster, it's Anna de Armas uh, in the Marilyn Monroe uh, hairstyle, close up on the face. I don't, does she look distressed in it? I can't remember this kind of face she's making. classic Marilyn Monroe, like, smile. Smile, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. So it's this classic Marilyn Monroe style with the blonde logo across it. So right there is already giving you this sense of uh, bio picture. Like, this is mm-hmm. the story of Marilyn Monroe. We're going to give it to you in a condensed amount of time. Um, and then as well, like all the marketing for this movie, even the log line that you look up on Google when you go look for the movie and you're like looking at the cast and stuff says it's like the rise and fall and even use the word epic, which felt really inappropriate, but like the rise and fall of this, uh, famous actress is kind of how the log line reads. Um, but yeah, advertising was not good. Yeah. Well, cause I feel like going into it, I definitely thought it was going to be a biopic and like, it wasn't until Aaron told me that it was like based on like a fictional like biography of her life that i was like mm-hmm. what why would we be watching a fictional like biography of her life why wouldn't we actually be watching just like a biopic about her like why why would i want to watch false information about her rather than like an authentic like especially because i feel like it's like this is kind of like especially with how it's um like filmed and stuff it feels very geared towards younger audiences or like more like I'm trying to think of how to say this. Like young adult. Like, yes. Because like just like the way it's, because it's very like artsy, very creative, mm-hmm. very A24. A24. Euphoria. <laughs> it is. Literally. It is. It and is so it feels <laughs> very like aimed towards our generation. But then you have to keep in mind our generation, we just know her as this like icon. Mm-hmm. We don't know like details about her stories. And this is, and so for people who don't know much about Marilyn Monroe and just know her as like, oh my gosh, she's so pretty. She's such an icon. Kim Kardashian like ripped her dress. Like people who just know her as that, like this is not gonna, I feel like provide like a, like a look into her and her life accurately. And I feel like they did not advertise that well. And that's what was so confusing is that while it was like established that this was a fictional retelling of her story. It still very much followed like, it was still rooted in reality, I think. Like, it still had, like, a lot of true events that did happen. Um, even down to just, like, specific shots that were mm-hmm. inspired by real-life photographs or, you know, plots where she was going to visit, like, the president or mm-hmm. different things like that that were very much, like, true, like, real-life things that are, like, influenced by real-life things. But at the same time, it's a fictional retelling. Mm-hmm. And so then it was kind of confusing mm-hmm. as to which parts, you know, I can take away to actually learn from the about the real-life Marilyn Monroe. When they yeah. treat a lot of rumors like truth. Yes. Yeah. And like that leads to like what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're gonna spend like a whole movie telling a fictionalized retelling of this famous person who people wanna know about and the history about, but then like what's the point in not telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Like why are you making a movie like why like why? Yeah. And why advertise it in that yeah. way? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like if I if people hadn't told me, like, if I hadn't known from y'all that it was, like, a fictional recounting of her life because of how it's, like, laid out and because you are, like, going through her childhood all the way up to, like, her passing, just, like, in most biopics, and because of its structure, like, I would not think that it was fictional in the slightest, I don't feel like. No, and it very much feels, it's all, like, it feels very realistic. Like, mm-hmm. it all, it feels very, like, rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, aside from doing the research ahead of time, I don't think there's anything in the movie that leads you to believe that it's a fictional retelling. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's not, like, wrong to take creative liberties, Definitely. but the movies that have taken creative liberties 
only took those creative liberties because they spoke with the person the movie's about or spoke with family or people close with that person. Like we take the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, definitely took a lot of creative liberties. Like mm-hmm. even with, uh, I think the only scene that would be like fully 100% not Hollywoodized in uh, Bohemian, there's a big fly <laughs> in the big ass It's fly. on my mic. Oh my God. Um, as I was saying, like the only thing I would say in Bohemian Rhapsody that's not completely at least Hollywoodified would be like the Live Aid scene or we look at Rocket Man mm-hmm. and it's like, um, very much Elton John said, here's all these things that have in my life, but let's make it in- like entertaining yeah. for a condensable story. But in the case of Marilyn Monroe, you can't contact this person uh, and like rightfully get the right to shift in Hollywoodify things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like yeah. if you can't get the right, then tell the truth. <laughs> tell the tell just the truth of her life. Yeah. If you can't get the rights to creative liberties and like collaboration with that person then just tell the facts right I agree. or do a documentary yes. like i agree especially because so much of this film was centered around like her like abuse that she kind of went through i feel like it's really insensitive and a bit problematic to like like stretch the truth and like do it in the name of artistry and you know like bending reality um just because like that is a, that is not your story to bend and mm-hmm. to make artistic um and it's in it's really easy for like like people who work in her state to be like that's what she would have wanted but at the end of the day that is like her story and that is like her abuse that she went through and not getting her specific permission to like portray it in that way it just feels very wrong and that like did not sit right with me the entire movie mm. and i think like that kept me from like really being able to like even appreciate like like the cinematography as much as I could have it's just like that underlying like she was not involved in this like and it's tackling these really hard things that she went through Mm -hmm. and it just feels a little insensitive it sours a otherwise good movie um it ultimately pulls it down when in all honesty like if uh the insensitive aspects of it weren't a thing this movie would be a really good standalone biopic but yeah. because of the fact that um it's so exploitative in its nature um that becomes part of the issue i guess i'll say this real quick obviously from a legal standpoint it's technically all right for the estate to speak for marilyn monroe but from an ethical standpoint uh it's not really their right to be telling that story mm-hmm. in all mm-hmm. in like com- the complete truth of this movie i feel like yeah yeah and again, like, I uh, totally think it is, like, okay to do a fictionalized spin on a biopic, but it was just the fact that this one was so rooted in reality and rooted in real events and rooted in her trauma that I think was the issue with it. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if, if you want an example of a biopic that does a good job at not being rooted in reality, but, like, getting the information from the person and the input from the person, that new Weird Al movie. Not an actual true telling of Weird Al's mm-hmm. life, but they contacted Weird Al and was like, we want to make this mockumentary because you're the funny guy, right? And so they got his input on it. Well, even in for like a movie that's not even a mockumentary, like that is genuinely like a biopic mm-hmm. of his life. Like if I've said it once, like I will rave about Rocket Man. If I've done it once, I'll do it a million times. But like, I just feel like they did such a good job with like, it's artistic elements and it's like bending of reality like the scene where they where he sings crocodile rock in the troubadour and the audience like like literally is floating like that was based off of elton john being like oh i remember being in that room and it felt so electric and it felt like everybody was floating and so like getting him saying that and all that kind of stuff like that i feel like they executed that very well and that's realism that works yes which like if they, they were able to do that because they could collaborate with him mm-hmm. on the creative vision that he wanted to wanted to come across. Mm-hmm. And since they couldn't do that with Marilyn Monroe, maybe they could have taken and done the research and like went back to other interviews where she described how she was feeling and then applied that to those scenes and like changed the scenes to match her emotions mm-hmm. instead of, I don't know, trying to portray their own interpretation of her story yeah and trying and, to melt her into their creative vision mm-hmm. well, not taking from a book that doesn't even exactly mm-hmm. exactly they're telling they're showing the creative vision the creative vision of that book mm-hmm. not of 
Marilyn Monroe. Because mm-hmm. while there are specks of truth to the events that occur in both, um, I mean, I haven't obviously read the book, but in the case of this movie, there are specks of truth in there. But overwhelmingly, it's the specks or the majority of specks of fiction that tr- like overpower those mm-hmm. true events. And I think it's because of these specks of truth that leads um, kind of viewers who wouldn't know otherwise to just like cling on to that as like what they think is reality. Because they'd be like, oh, I know she was with JFK, so this has to all be real. Yeah. It's almost clickbait. Like yes. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning something about a scene in particular uh, on the red carpet where like the surrealism of it worked mm-hmm. and it wasn't really an insensitive way. Would you want to dive into that? Mm-hmm. I think just so the scene was like her on the red carpet and she's getting swarmed by paparazzi and like there's very like intense imagery of them all up in the camera's face and like their face and their mouths are warped and she's like putting on a show and like smiling and acting like it's all fine and then it like is alluding to her descent into uh, drug abuse problems and like just like dealing with fame and I think that that was a scene that showed like used surrealist elements to show like the issues she was having and the trouble she was going through in a way that like was artistic but like still real Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i agree i think there were a lot um or not a lot but i do think that the scenes where it was very clearly like leaning into that um and almost like leaning into like a horror-esque side of things and like were really successful to me in like showing her like descent into like drug abuse problems and even just like kind of like at a loss like I feel like toward the end of the movie one thing I did like was how like there were multiple scenes where it felt like they were showing how like she was like losing touch with like who she really was because at the beginning it felt like there was very much this division between Nora Jean and Marilyn Monroe and like throughout her career it felt like oh she'd be like oh you can refer to me as Nora Jean like Marilyn Monroe is like my stage name but toward the end it felt like those two people were very much like intertwined and I think that that showed there were a lot of times when she would be like it would start to vocalize like her internal monologue which is something that really picked up toward the end and she'd be like where did I how did I get to this point was this like Marilyn was it you know what I mean and it got to be this kind of like the lines between Nora Jean and Marilyn were kind of fuzzy um and I think that toward the end that was like a really cool thing that they did um even the scene where and again this scene is extremely hard to watch so extreme content warning um for um all viewers but uh, extreme content warning for a sexual assault but um the scene where she's with jfk and it shows that scene like on the movie screen um and she's like it's like she's sitting in the audience and she's watching that happen from the movie screen and i think after that that's where the movie kind of like takes a turn for the worse I would say um not in terms of like content but in terms of like her mental state um and in that moment she's kind of like how did I get here like you know what I mean and her watching it it just becomes very this like very psychological like meta moment of like you know like she's kind of losing touch with herself and I thought mm-hmm. that that scene did a really good job with that on like the movie screen motif across the board because it occurs multiple times not just mm-hmm. in that scene I felt was an appropriate way of showcasing how um I mean, Marilyn Monroe, but any celebrity in general, feels like the whole world's always watching their moves. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's an appropriate way of showing that without, um, like, directly diving into them freaking out, like, in a theater or something, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and using those scenes of, like, intense fear and pain to be shown, rather, like, insinuated, I feel like. It was an, a healthy way to approach that. Yeah. And then I think that even shows, like, in her relationships, um, because I think obviously she has like a very like dysfunctional perception of romantic love. And I think that definitely goes like back to her childhood and just also like the sexual exploitation she faces. Um, but I've no, like, there's like, I think like anytime she is in a relationship, a lot of the times like they're kind of either objectifying her or like referring to her as someone else. Like even with the person that I don't remember his name, um, Adrian Brody's character, um with the glasses um (laughs) um he what's i don't remember his name but he she has a baby with him i believe Mm. um but even like him like at first the first scene is like you can be my yeah you can be my magda who's like a character in his play yeah 
and that's like referencing like a past lover and so like even that it's like oh you're not seeing her for Marilyn you're seeing her as you you can be my Magda you know what I mean and that's just like a small thing but I've that's just a common thing in like the relationships that we see her in in this movie and I think that was one of the last times where we saw her like as Norma Jean and be like oh you can call me Norma yes which I felt like in her him um visibly be or like verbally being like no mm-hmm. I want to call you Magda mm-hmm. it just feels like like the last straw of like this I'm yeah. just not her anymore like who yeah. just her losing herself yeah I would agree and then just even like the the relationship she has at the beginning with the mm-hmm. two men um even in that case it's very obviously very sexual in nature um but even then like and this goes back to the movie screen motif where like they're kind of having sex in this movie theater to her on screen yeah and so like they're all very like infatuated with the fame that's coming from their relationship with the spectacle of her um like with her like movie persona rather than like her as a person um but and again that's another thing where it's kind of hard to as just like a viewer to know like how much of that is fictionalized yeah because you're like watching you're like did she actually do that with these two men Mm -hmm. in a theater Mm -hmm. at a premiere of her movie Mm -hmm. i don't think she did that (laughs) but like like the movie is presenting it as though it's happened Mm -hmm. right it's like putting putting this movie puts its psychological elements before its realism elements which i feel um like with we were talking about with uh, the queen movie and elton john movie both of those put to the forefront the actual story of these people Mm -hmm. rather than their like psychological elements and i think Mm -hmm. a good example of like a time the movie put the story of marilyn monroe uh, like ahead of everything else in the movie is its use of color because like you were talking about we see these blurred lines um between you know her actress persona and then her as a person Uh, a lot of times whenever that monologue would kick in color would shift and so when she's Marilyn Monroe, it's black and white, just like it is in the movies at the time. And then when um, she's just being herself, it's it becomes more colorful, and you get this like self awareness of I'm seeing her as she in her real world state mm-hmm. versus when um, she is being used for the Hollywood system. Because at the time um, of Marilyn Monroe, it was very much a Hollywood system of we focus on the stars, we get people into the movie because the star's name is on the movie. We saw at one yeah. point. I forget what the exact movie was called, but it was something and Marilyn Monroe because mm-hmm. at this time, um, Hollywood production companies utilized uh, and exploited actors and actresses for their names specifically, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how they got people in seats. And so I think the color was a good way of showcasing that without, like we were saying, without going too much into an insensitive direction with it. Yeah, it was Niagara. It was Niagara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm with the waterfall the two most beautiful yeah. things in the world oh yeah. that's right yeah. that was mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah that was also something i thought was interesting is how i feel like the movie didn't um focus that much on like her as like a film star i thought was interesting yeah. and it just more showed like her like people's reactions it showed a lot of like her going to premieres but it didn't mm-hmm. actually show a lot yeah. of like her work in film which i guess mm-hmm. is another kind of commentary on like she's more known for being like a sex symbol than being like an actress yeah because it shows a lot of like the, her auditioning it shows a lot of her talking to like directors producers uh and then it shows like you said the premieres of these movies it never shows the process of filming except that one time where she loses it on set because mm-hmm. um she's finally like in that moment taking the power back mm-hmm. um which you know i feel that like maybe they did i don't know if they even did this intentionally or not i would assume they did of like the only time we see her actually acting is when she's in control. Like acting on a set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or like auditioning. Yeah. But, and even then, like whenever people are talking about her acting, like it's just like her auditions, it's only ever like about her body. Mm-hmm. Like in that first audition we see her do and she's walking away with the manager, the one, the director doesn't comment on the acting whatsoever while the other mm-hmm. guys are. He yeah. solely comments on her body. Um, I feel like another big aspect of this film was obviously like the nudity that's probably one of the main reasons it's nc-17 and while i think like some of it was very like artistic and pretty well done i just i think sometimes there was just nudity to be nudity and not like driven by any specific purpose which just kind of felt like it was you know exploiting this actress in her body just like the way Marilyn was also exploited and it just didn't because there were like scenes in just different parts of the movie where I'm like what like does she need to be topless right now Mm -hmm. 
like she's just waking up like why does like was there like a specific purpose and it just i don't know or even like that niagara fall uh scene yeah you saw where like she's with these two other guys and that scene transitions between like they're on the bed and it starts looking like a waterfall just again like a misplaced form of nudity in that scene Mm -hmm. that didn't that wasn't necessarily needed which is interesting because I feel like there weren't even a lot of sex scenes in the movie, I, but there was just like an excess of nudity I and agree. or like really um, like violent and disturbing sex scenes. Um, but I feel like we don't necessarily see sex a lot as much as we just like see her naked, which again could be attributed to like a commentary on you know, Marilyn Monroe's exploitation. And at the same time, like, I totally understand this, like, the sentiment of we need to normalize, like, topless female Mm -hmm. nudity in film. And I definitely agree with that sentiment. But the reality is, like, at the moment, that isn't normalized. So I think there Mm -hmm. is still, like, a responsibility on directors to, like, you know, take that into account. And in this movie, there did, I would agree with you, like, feel like a lot of scenes where, like, it didn't necessarily feel super necessary. Um... There were some like some scenes where I was like, okay, this what this is, it, it it felt appropriate. Like toward the end, there's this really gruesome, um, like surgery scene. I don't even remember if it was an abortion scene. It was her it, reliving the yes. abortion and then the beginning of the and she wakes up and she oh, is completely naked, but she oh a miscarriage. I do think yeah, I think it was a miscarriage. And she wakes up the next morning completely covered in blood, and it, it's at this point, and she's completely oh, yeah. naked, That's but she's right. covered in blood. And it's at this point in the movie where it's taking the turn of towards surrealism, where it's like what's real, what's not. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, I did think that it felt appropriate because I was like, okay, it's this very like visceral okay. shot of like just her top up, um, and you think it's just gonna be like a nude picture and then it's revealed like that she's completely like bloody like mm-hmm. stomach down and i thought that that was well done but there were times other times in the movie where she was getting dressed and like it would show her topless mm-hmm. and stuff and i just didn't think that was necessary yeah oh i thought you had the same add on to that sorry mm. i'm trying to think if there's anything else regarding that um they so there is a scene about abortion in here and she also relives that later and in both instances of that scene i felt um i don't even know how to describe the nudity but they did like a camera shot from inside of marilyn monroe basically yeah and i did not think that was appropriate um that was a lot to even just like watch that yeah. was old. that was very disturbing yeah because they like put the surgery device tool. in and yeah. like it I, looked showed... a- I looked away and i'm and like you don't it. need to like broadcast what an abortion looks like like from the inside that feels mm-hmm. a little bit yeah especially sensitive because that's a kind of personal mm-hmm. matter as yeah. well especially yeah. when it was it's based on rumors because it's not it's mm-hmm. not because abortion was illegal was is illegal um then it's not like uh verified that marilyn monroe had one and so the only thing that's like talked about is miscarriages mm-hmm. and so like showing a graphic abortion scene when it's based on rumors just goes to show like the broader like how most of this movie is based on rumors mm-hmm. and the harm that is caused by that yeah yeah i do think also like i would like and it and it's interesting because i this movie did like show like the more like unglamorous like trauma that she dealt with as like a sex symbol in that time but at the same time i think i just would like to know more about like you know the reality of it after watching this because i think like all we know about marilyn monroe i think the most iconic things everyone knows about marilyn monroe are jfk and like the famous photograph where like she's holding down her skirt yeah. mm-hmm. both things when you look at it retro like that i think have been so normalized in our culture that when you look back at th- both of those things it's kind of like disgusting especially now mm-hmm. like looking at it from like you know the age of like a 19 year old girl like this very famous shot mm-hmm. of like her dress being blown up like the fact that there's like statues of that like is so like vile and gross and like you know 
disrespectful to her and then even the jfk thing i think like it's been so normalized this, this just like salacious thing that happened like oh she had an affair with the president not at all taking and like that's such like a pre me too mentality not mm-hmm. at all like and like I, even like when i was younger i never thought about it until like you know like i was older until like me too happened about like that as like like sexual exploitation a power imbalance possibly yes. even like you know assault abuse what have you you know what i mean and so i do i i was glad that that this movie like showed like the trauma that came with those things but i do wish it was done first of all like more realistically and a little bit more respectfully and so i think now it's just a matter of like now i want to go like after watching this movie i'll say like my biggest takeaway was like i want to go do my own research on like her life and the things i want to like differentiate what was true versus what was fake and do my own research to kind of like get a better understanding of those things Mm -hmm. i just feel like um in general like if you're talking about her life and you're talking about it in like a fictional setting like you should not be addressing her abuse because then you're like kind of debating the reality of her abuse Mm -hmm. and like those like her trauma that she went through Mm -hmm. and like i just feel like that is so insensitive and so not okay Mm -hmm. because i just feel like we shouldn't be bending reality about like abuse Mm -hmm. and trauma especially when we are not once again like talking to that person it just feels like very wrong to me and i think like obviously i'm gonna go now like do more research on her and like because i i feel like i left this movie knowing the same as i did going into it Mm -hmm. i do not feel like i learned anything new i if anything like i don't necessarily trust the information that i watched in that movie and so i really feel like i didn't gain much from the movie in general like some nice shots like you know as far as like artistry goes like it was framed really well like obviously the cinematography was beautiful but like i didn't gain anything from that movie Mm -hmm. um except for like a lot of things that kind of like were really triggering yeah because this movie i think because marilyn monroe one thing i did like that i guess i never like was able to put into words was this is someone that lost so much autonomy like over Mm -hmm. her body just you know in our culture like as like Mm -hmm. being like labeled a sex symbol like and then all everything that came with that and i think that that's like driven that point is driven so much in this movie even like from like scenes in her childhood when she's drowned by her mother and then you know obviously in her adult life when she's sexually assaulted when she's forced to have that abortion when she's assaulted when she you know like scenes with the president with you know uh pregnancy stuff um you know the shot like like little upskirt shots that were taken Mm -hmm. of her just all of these things just further drive how like not in control of her body she was um and like how that like did like psychologically destroy her um which is something that I guess, like, I think because she's been so normalized and we're kind of far removed from her, like, mm-hmm. in, like, our, like, as, like, a generation. And I so I feel like that's not something that, like, people immediately think about, which is di- that this movie, I will say, though I did think it was disrespectful, it did make me think of, like, the thing she went through with that lens a little bit more as much as, like, but I, again, I wish it was, like, not, I didn't have to do that with, like, a fictionalized telling of her story. Yeah, I just think it felt very hypocritical of this movie to be making like commentary on her exploitation while exploiting her and her name and her story and her body Mm -hmm. it just felt very hypocritical and that's just something like i cannot get over when i also think like um her death scene was not handled in a good way um i mean because one of the biggest things associated with marilyn monroe is her tragic passing at the age of 36 and i feel like this movie treated in a way like it was peaceful. It was a beautiful moment. And the reality is, no, I mean, she died at a young age um, because of, you know, who knows fully. I mean, it's been said one way, but there's not necessarily a true answer because all this, you know, rumors and things with the book. Um, But the movie portrays it as this like good ending almost because the movie ends and we're like, oh, okay, so that's where you're going to end it with a hand draped over the bed with peaceful lighting and it just kind of it felt for me a wrong way to show her death especially like because it followed like kind of like this long stretch of like mm-hmm. this very like 
grueling very like distressing time in her life mm-hmm. and it almost felt like a mm-hmm. oh she's out of her misery yeah time. yeah that's a good I felt like this it. is her reaching peace and it was in color uh, when yeah. I think like mm-hmm. the scenes leading up to that were all in black and white these scenes just felt very like flashy a lot of like strobe yes. lighting very like sporadic movements um and then it just like ends on this very like peaceful calm yeah like dim dim and and like color and it was in color um to contrast all of that um so it did kind of feel like it did like romanticize her death in a way but Mm -hmm. i guess let's jump into um to kind of step away from like the the sadder beats of this movie i do like acknowledge um anna de armas has a Mm. wonderful performance in this yes um while this movie as a whole, I wouldn't say is deserving of an Oscar, I will say Ana de Armas' performance with the material she's given was impressive enough to warrant at least a nomination. She can cry on demand. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was Oscar <laughs> bait for sure because she will be getting that nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark my words. I love her. Like, I love her. I loved her knives out. I loved her in that one perfume commercial she did. What else did she do? Not the perfume. What else? No, she was. Oh yeah, it's Anna de Armas from that perfume commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. Nothing else. N- oh. What else was she in? That one movie with Ben Affleck. It was bad. So maybe not J-Lo's that man. one. It was, it was on Hulu, I think. <laughs> Cut this out. <laughs> Cut this out. Um, no, but my point is like, sh- I think she is like w- one of our most talented art. Um, <laughs> Cut that out as well. I think she's one of our most like talented actresses. Like on the scene right now, I every time she's in something, I'm so excited to see what she does. And I do think that this was probably my favorite acting that she's done that I've seen her in. Mm. Um, Because she manages to be so charming, even in distress situations. And I do think she was a very believable Marilyn. And maybe I just I don't Marilyn's not a celebrity that like we see, especially that we see like speaking a lot um, or like in interviews a lot. Um, And so I think it was maybe like easier I don't want to discredit her, but, like, I, like, you know, we don't have, like, a good glimpse of, like, what Marilyn was, like, just, like, as a person. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I think she did such a good job portraying her in a very realistic way. Yeah. And then really, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, there, she has, like, that iconic voice, Marilyn Monroe. And I think she really nailed it. I did, too. I noticed that. Like, there were, you know, critic, quote, critics actually just, like, problematic people that were saying she couldn't do the voice because of her accent but like, i think she obviously can yes, yes. and that just goes to show her talent she was such a believable Marilyn. yeah Marilyn monroe mm-hmm. but yeah that first audition scene um when she's in front of all of those really scummy writers and directors sitting in that room uh just that audition of when she taps into this character she's trying to play well so Marilyn's trying to audition for this character that plays a certain way and the story portrays it as Marilyn tapping into her childhood to make this character in the moment and I think uh, Anna does such a good job of um, like playing this actor trying to act as another character Mm -hmm. and it still just feels so natural like you are genuinely Mm -hmm. watching a person audition for a role and they're really tapping into their mind and considering how to process this character along with process their life in that moment and i think it goes back to that crying on demand i think like being able to give a monologue-esque performance where the camera is just on you and then your reaction shots that follow is really powerful that was a hefty role to take on. Yeah. Like that movie, yeah. she, it was centered around her, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. and that, and very emotionally taxing as well. And like, that's just like one scene where she mm-hmm. had to like do it. And that was like every scene was just mm-hmm. of her. This movie going was, through it. Going through it. Yeah. <laughs> going through it. Trauma on trauma on trauma. And oh, uh, yeah. I think that was the highlight of this movie is definitely her performance. Yeah. I definitely think she captured her, like, because I feel like with Marilyn Monroe, because she feels like such an enigma and she feels like this kind of icon that we don't really know very well. I feel like the only parts we really see of her very well is this, like, very charismatic, like, happy, shining personality. And I will, will say, I feel like, um, I feel like Anna really, like, she did a good job of portraying that. And I felt like those were some of the only parts of the movie where I felt like I could take a breath. It's like, you know, her, like, you know, this big, this big smile, um, this person who's larger than life, who's so happy and so joyous, like, 
like I feel like she played that very well as and I thought it was so insane how she could just like flip that switch so easily and go from this like heart-wrenching like performance where she's crying in these auditions and then like the next moment have this like beaming smile Mm -hmm. and I just I thought that was insane yeah I just oh go ahead no go ahead Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, just seeing her happy with, like, I think it was her third husband, I forget his name, but, like, that scene of them on the beach, and she is just mm-hmm. thrilled and happy to be with him after a very depressing scene that came before it, again, like, shows that being able to switch like that, yeah. mm-hmm. that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I do wonder, like, what her motivations were and, like, her role in, like, telling the story and the way it was told, because, like, I did see there was, like, she was in her dressing room or something, and, like, something fell, it was thrown, and she was, like... That, that was like her way of saying or her way of saying that Marilyn Monroe like approved her taking on this role and like her like sign off for this role was just like okay and like I don't know the context but she visited her grave or something yeah interesting I don't know I, I wonder what her role in like how the movie was played how it played out because of like her thinking that Marilyn Monroe's ghost like, approved it. This movie sets out to be a movie commenting on Hollywood exploitation of a very famous actress in Hollywood history and an, an actress in the era of star, the star system. And um, ultimately, it ends up taking part in being the exploitation Hollywood actively does, whether it realizes it or not. Um, this movie does exploit the story of someone who can't speak for themselves due to just the scenario yeah. of this situation. And it's just unfortunate because like we were talking about when we were watching it is, this is a story that should be told. It's a very powerful story, a story people should know more about because we don't ultimately know enough in modern culture about Marilyn, Mo- Ma- Marilyn Monroe except what we've created of her, right? And so it's almost like there should have just been a better way to go about this movie. And it's a story that people have been anticipating, like about like a biopic about Marilyn Monroe is very like anticipated. People want to know about like her life and um, what led to the events. And I think this movie advertised itself as though it was going to. And then it just like fell short and on its face. So... I will be making a Marilyn Monroe biopic coming soon. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it walked like a fine line between realism and fiction and both kind of fell short. Um, Stepped off that line quite a bit. Did. Yeah. 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 Um, and I left not knowing not learning much about Marilyn Monroe and also just not learning much about this like fictionalized character either other than like what she went through so that's my take on that mm-hmm. it was pretty though <laughs> I mean there were some pretty shots but I just yeah I just it felt very exploitative it felt very inappropriate it felt I just don't agree with turning someone's trauma into like in bending its reality and doing that in the name of art without their permission. Like, I just think the way that they approached that went very, was very wrong. And it felt like they were trying to use her story to like, just appease their artistic and creative vision. Um, And I just thought that, I mean, like Marilyn Monroe in so many cases, she was just so used and it just felt like they were using her Mm -hmm. again. And obviously, like, through, like, the, through the movie, it was very evident that they were trying to make commentary about, like, the systems in place and, like, all the stuff that she went through. But I just think that it came across as very tone deaf and very hypocritical um, and extremely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it left wanting more and not in, like, a good way. Mm-hmm. Wanting more in, like make redo it and like do a <laughs> biopic yes, and that's literally. like truthful and like like an actual account of her life yeah. and not an imagination mm-hmm. yeah. creative cinematography and wonderful acting can't make up for an exploitative film mm-hmm. and that's not rooted in reality and even putting the exploitation aside it's just structurally not that great of a movie structurally mm-hmm. boring confusing confusing 
gave me whiplash going to too sleep. long i'm sorry i'll I, i've said it before i'll say it again no movie needs to be that long unless i like it but if i don't so like everything, it, everything, it everything everywhere all at once is what you're like saying. with that <laughs> that long of a movie like what was it, it was I two was hours bored, and 47 like, minutes or something and 47 minutes. so many times it has, we were like how long is there less like yeah. and it has so much time to do so much Am, and if, yet it did so little if mm. i'm having to pause your movie to check how much longer it is you're you messed up. We did it three times. We paused it three times. Multiple times. We were like, and every we time, every time was, there was an hour left. <laughs> yeah, every time every there time. was an hour left. Every time, it's Somehow. it's a sensory experience, not a biopic. Is mm-hmm. the best way to put it simply, and it's exploitable. Um, but I guess to segue out of that, we're gonna do Sage's little segment <laughs> that we do on every podcast. Media of the week. I can't wait to talk about mine, but I'm gonna let the guests go first. It's not really that old, but I just rewatched <laughs> Mortal Instruments. Like City of Bones, <laughs> and that movie is so good. Um, it's actually so bad, but it's so great. Um, it it just makes me feel very nostalgic. It's very like dystopian. Shadow Hunters, that show is based off. Yup, yup, I know because my boyfriend with the what's it called yes. when you have t- uh, different eye colors. Different eye Wait, colors. Is that you know the what it's called? one with the guy from Narnia in it? Narnia. I don't know. I didn't see Narnia. Prince I Caspian. <gasps> Prince Caspian. Okay, cut that out. I don't know. Um, but my bae, Jamie Campbell, Jamie Campbell Bower is in it. <gasps> He's in This that? is my love letter to you. <laughs> Please hit me up. That's um, not... <laughs> I love him. He is so good in it. And him and like Lily Collins, their little love story is just so cute. And I don't know. It was just very nostalgic. And I rewatched it while I was working the other day. I was like, wow, this is a good movie. Um, so that one. And also, Do Revenge. I know, I know how you feel about it, Erin. I know you don't love it, but I do. I ate it up. Um, because if it's one thing y'all are going to know about me, it's that I love coming-of-age movies. I love coming-of-age movies and rom-coms. Anything romance, I'm all over it. Um, but I loved your revenge because it felt very, like, reminiscent of just, like, so many different early, like, coming-of-age type movies. Like, it's, it reminded me of 10 Things I Hate About You, mean girls clueless she's all that just like so many and i was it was so fun for me to watch and be like oh my gosh this reference and then this reference like it just like made my soul so happy especially since like those pieces of like media and those movies meant so much to me and still mean so much to me growing up like those are my comfort like those are my comfort movies and so like seeing especially because this was definitely a movie targeted towards like our generation i know a lot of us grew up on those movies so it felt like kind of a love letter to that um and so it just like makes me very happy also camila mendez literally kills it and it's just such a good movie no, I recommend. My girls are in that. My <laughs> girls are in that. Miss Veronica Lodge herself yes. and also Maya Hawk. Which so I have to stream. I'm going to I didn't hate it. It just wasn't my hater. favorite. <laughs> it was pretty cheesy, which if you like that then that's fine. And do. And maybe it's because I've been watching I've the most recent thing I've seen Camila Mendez in is Riverdale, <laughs> a little nod to future episode. Um <laughs> no spoilers. Oh. Um, that was weird. <laughs> Cut that out. Um, no, let me go back. I think that <laughs> this is our confrontation about this. Um, it wasn't that I didn't like it or that it was bad. It was just you know a little cheesy movie. And the most recent thing I s- I've seen Camila Mendez in was Riverdale, and like she kind of plays same ish character, like a mean girl that has a lot of money. But then she doesn't really have that much money in Do Revenge, does she? Like that's no. like one of the reasons they're mean to her. Yeah, yeah. they're like Ugh, she thrifts. <laughs> which like Maybe she goes to Buffalo <laughs> Exchange. Ew. Which like she goes to pavement. Well, how in college would be the reverse? I guess like it was just placed in the the, the way like the ridiculousness of how people are made fun of. It does a good job of that in a way. Yeah, and that's yeah. valid. I. It was, I eat it like I'm so sorry. I love a cheesy movie. I will it, eat it up every yeah. time. It was an easy watch. Like it wasn't like you had to think about it. Yes. You can just watch it, put it on and like enjoy it. And I'm someone who likes to just like have like a movie or something going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's it was it's a good one for me to like fall asleep to or like like work mm-hmm. to. My Hawks wigs were bad though. Oh yeah, they Wait, were. She wears rough. wigs in that. Mm-hmm. They're bad. <laughs> I knew you were going to say okay. that. <laughs> My 
turn for <laughs> the media that I like. Um, currently, Venus Sabayama's Hold Back, Hold the Girl. Yes, um, I knew it was true. Excellent, excellent album. Read my review of it. True. Um, yes. Good. The the best songs off of that were probably Frankenstein. Correct. Love that song. <laughs> um, and then Imagining. Correct. And what was the last one? I know you like Phantom, don't you? Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't Phantom. say correct. Um, yeah, correct. But like all of them were really good, and it was—it's a very experimental <laughs> album. Um, and then, what was my other thing? I just forgot. Quick note about that—that that album is just goes to show how sometimes critics are wrong because the critics have been eating that album alive, and like yeah. have just not been appreciating it. But I think it's good, and people just don't get it. So. <laughs> I think it's really <laughs> cool. Y'all just don't it. understand. It's very, it's genreless, and it's like something like it's so Rena. Yeah, it's like it reminds me a lot of her older stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, oh, my, like, I remember my so my second one. I just um watched X. Oh, which, yes, yes. Which I'm still processing how I feel about it because I watched it like literally yesterday. Um, but I think Mia Goth is really good in it, mm-hmm. and I think you know. Classic A twenty four horror movie. Yeah, Megoth played two roles in that, which is exactly, still crazy. To yeah, me. I didn't and know that until the, recently. By the way, the prosthetics <laughs> really good. good. Yeah. No, because tell me why I literally because X like reoriented me as a person. Like I love that movie <laughs> so much. Whoa. I could watch it every day of my life and never get tired of it. But I just <laughs> learned like a few weeks ago that Mia Goth played the old lady. It was when we went to Pearl too. How did you not know that? I don't, I don't, does it look like her in the movie? No, yeah. I didn't yeah. know. And like a quick, <laughs> a quick know. Google search. I was, like, yeah. I was like, damn, that old lady can act. A quick Google <laughs> search. Sage saw IMDb and goes, that's a typo. <laughs> I said, wait. It must have messed up because like that old lady was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you or me? My turn? Yeah, I can go. Okay, go ahead. I have two movies this week. The first one, Barbarian. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Everyone that I know has had a different reaction to it. Um, my best friend Goran is here with us. I don't think Goran liked it as much as I did. He's shaking. He's shaking his head right now. No, um, I that movie is so good. The first time I saw it, I literally was brought to tears by how much I liked it. It's not a sad movie. I just liked it that much, and I was so excited <laughs> about it. I immediately went to Letterbox, gave it a five out of five. I was so excited. Um, upon second watch. Maybe I overreacted. It's just <laughs> <laughs> <don't know>, <laughs> very visceral reactions. <laughs> Anytime I, I can't just like something, like I no, have to be like, it's favorite. always this is my favorite song. <laughs> Last week you were like, we're all going to see it. You all have to see it. <laughs> well, because and I still agree. Like that movie is so and good. It's so it. it's so campy. It's so fun. It's so scary. Like it genuinely like mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite horror movies I've seen in so long. It's so original. It's fu- it's like just funky, crazy. I love it. Um, <laughs> genuinely grotesque. Crazy. Grotesque is like the keyword I would use. Um, and I love it so much. And then another one, and I, I had already seen this movie, but I watched this movie yesterday. I watched Moonrise Kingdom, Wes Anderson. That movie is so good. It's so cute. It's so just like pure. It's so colorful and well done and cozy. It is set in September. I. It's just the perfect September, like, from like summer to fall movie i love it so much yeah and sage said ut alum on that second oh yeah (laughs) yeah i'm trying to plug this little known not a lot of people know about him like ut alum like wes anderson i don't know yeah just like a little plug for him like we love to like plug small artists oh yeah (laughs) we we want you to see more wes anderson films um (laughs) um i just have one uh and if there's one thing to know about me, it's I love a character you study. He loves a character study. <laughs> uh, and so recently I watched um, Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Oh. And um, so I don't often switch movies on my letterbox as like my top four. So for those who don't know letterbox, you have a top four shelf, which is your four favorite movies of all time. Um, and this year I have shifted two movies on my top four. So it started with Everything Everywhere All at Once back when that released. Uh, and now Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade to replace Dead Poets Society on my top four and um eighth grade is for me my favorite type of story to tell like a character study is also (laughs) just how technology impacts society and eighth grade because it's done by someone close to our generation i don't know if he's millennial or gen z um, but he's on the cusp at least um this story of how 
technology makes you a two-faced person and how we post what we want people to see of us and then how we interact with people awkwardly. And so the entire point of eighth grade is it's this week, uh, last week of school for this girl in eighth grade before she goes to high school. And it's uh, her navigating basically this awkward stage in your life of middle school. And it's cringe. It's adorable. Um, it's depressing and dark at times. It's everything I would want out of that type of movie. And so good. to me, I watched that movie walking out of it feeling like I related to it more than most movies about that type of concept. And I think if you can walk out of it, a movie made directed at your age group and be like, that was done well and I feel seen, it's a good movie. Would you say that, as Harry put it, it's like a movie that really like feels like, like a movie? It's a movie that feels like a movie. It's a, a movie, movie that feels like a movie. Yeah, okay. It's just like a movie. It feels like the movie theater. you go in with a bunch of people. It's, it's really a movie. It's a movie. That it's just feels a movie. Like, like a movie. Harry, what is it? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> our, I know our audio listeners are like, wow, is Harry Styles in the booth right now? Because you sound just like him. Thank you. So he's actually in Austin, so we just asked him to come. <laughs> yeah, come stop he's by. Here. Stop by the Unscripted <laughs> Podcast. Aaron Styles. We're probably going so excited because that's probably like what our retention rate for this episode is going to show. Is like when I said like we have a guest, people are probably like, oh my god, is Harry Styles? It's Harry. As we flash up our photos of like Raya at the concert. He is here. He's right here. Which, do you guys need to, like, acknowledge that or no? (laughs) (laughs) He's just there now. We did at the beginning. Yeah, I did. I said, Harry's here. Did you? You did? Oh, yeah, because we said, Harry. Harry. Uh, Harry Styles PR is going to sue us. Copyright image. But, yeah, um, updates coming forward. Uh, Honestly, we're trying to do weekly of this podcast, but we miss some weeks every now and then. Things happen. But October is a special month. Uh, because we are doing multiple Halloween-based episodes with some little surprises in there, but I can give you like a kind of outline of the month if all things goes every if all things go well if, if all things go well if all things go well <laughs> <laughs> if all things go well we should have around eight episodes yes. in the month of October and then we'll have uh, maybe less in November and then more in December again is what we're kind of looking at. Don't hold us to that, but that's what we're aiming to do. So October, we've got a lot of Disney Halloween movies. We've also got uh, some Halloween Halloween (gasps) movies because the last Halloween movie is supposedly coming out, and we might have a surprise interview in there if we can manage to get it. It's a big maybe, but stay tuned for that. Jamie Lee Curtis will be. Jamie Lee Curtis will be in the building (laughs) with Harry Styles. With With Harry Styles. Styles. Uh, But yeah, that's all for this week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Ryan. I've been Sage. Oh. I've been Raya. And I'm Aaron. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Unscripted Podcast. Bye. Bye.